Everybody, welcome along. Monday morning. It, it's never long enough, the weekend, is it? It's really awful. I can only sympathise with you all for saying, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if the weekend lasted about another two days? But it's not good. Mick Jagger's involvement with the mystery girl is just a fling, and apparently he's put a smile back on his face. Some people saying he's just a dirty old man, and I'm saying, why don't we all mind our own business? Uh, Tara Palmer Tomkinson says she never goes out now. Thank God for that. All those years of shoving half of Columbia up her nose. What a waste of space. Dolly Parton says she's definitely not gay. She's definitely not gay. She's just got a bestest friend, Judy, who's her personal assistant. They travel together, they sleep in the same bed, they're not gay. Surely that's perfectly all right, isn't it? Oh, and Anthea Turner. Yes, she's pictured in all the papers today looking like a mop. Poor old Anthea Turner, what does she do now? It all went, it, it all collapsed, didn't it? It all started with Eamon Holmes, who called her Princess Tippy Toes. Actually, talking of Eamon Holmes, the poor old Lothario turned up last night. And I'm assi- I don't know, because I was flipping through all the channels, so I can't tell what's live and what's Memorex. And I, it's Stephen Mulhern doing, I think, the Britain's Got Talent extra bit. And, and he does it very well. There's no two ways about it. He does it very, very well indeed. And it's very personable and it's very funny. And so they bring all the guests on from Britain's Got Talent. And uh, so we had the, the Canadian magician... We had the opera singer, who I don't think was much cop, and then we had that very irritating, and she was m- even more irritating yesterday, that lettuce ro- robotham thing. Oh, what a waste of space. What a s- I was shouting at the television, you silly little show-off. Obviously, somebody went to, oh, you're so ditzy, so now she plays stupid. Playing dumb, I'm afraid. It uh, didn't wash for me, ridiculous, and luckily didn't come anywhere in the competition. No, it was Calabro. Calabro? Yes, Yes, it was Calabro who won. And uh, there they were singing show tunes, very nice indeed, very butch. But I wasn't totally convinced that they were singing live all the way through. I wasn't sure when they got to the harmonies whether that was auto-tuned. Sounded a bit odd to me. I'm generally quite good on these things. And I listened to it. And uh, apart from the fact that, you know, you have to work out which one's gay... Because there's bound to be a gay one in the group. Anything more than four, there's going to be a gay one in the group. And so they were, they were quite personal. They'll do it. I reckon they've already been in the studio and recorded their Christmas album. I reckon they've laid down quite a few songs. Because it was the big production number. It's the way Simon Cowell does it. If you listen to a Simon Cowell album, as opposed to anybody else's album, it's overproduced. So with the Calabro, uh, who were doing this... Um, Stars out in the light, And they all sang their bits and it was very sweet. And uh, I thought that was winning. But when they went for the, the main thing together, I was beginning to think, this sounds a little bit too auto-tuned. I wasn't totally convinced by it. Anyway, so that was... So they, they did well and we got rid of the two other little boys uh, who were just... They cling on to each other, don't they? One's 15 and the other's 13. They cling on to each other for grim death. And they're, they're kind of small for their age, you know, you look at some people out there at 15 and they're sort of enormous. They just look tiny. And uh, they're doing... Anyway, they'll probably do OK out of it. They'll probably bring out the single. Hope not an album, but they probably will bring out something. In fact, if I suspect they've already been in the studio. Calabro will bring out an album for Christmas. I suspect there'll be a Christmas album and there'll be the Show Tunes album and then they'll disappear. They're going to be a little bit like G4. Do you remember G4 were hailed? Yeah, they're fantastic. And then they all started rowing, and then it was Jonathan Ansel who sort of went on. And then all of a sudden, I don't know where Jonathan's gone to. We had him in. He's, he's married to a girl who used to be on the television overnight doing... It was either... I think it might be one of these bingo-type programmes or spinning a wheel or something like that. Um, and, and the rest of the group just, just disappeared and disbanded. And that's what I fear will happen with Calabro. Whichever way you think... 
you know, you can see a pattern emerging. Lettuce Rowbotham, as I say, is just deeply irritating. In plane, push out over Pacific Ocean, leave. OK? Just stay out there forever and a day. You can bob around on the beautiful briny, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, proof, if proof were needed, that they always try and overhype these things. They do a big thing. 45 million albums sold. She's here. She's Cheryl Cole. Shouldn't she really be just Cheryl Tweedy? You know, why is she hanging on to the Cole name? That's because Cheryl Tweedy doesn't quite sound like a pop star, does it? Mind you, having heard uh, the abysmal performance that was Cheryl Cole attempting to sing the other day, I began to wonder whether or not, not only could she not sing, but she can't dance. I mean, it took 20 hours, Nick Ferrari said, to record the video for her latest single. 20 hours. You know, in the end, dancers are going, can't she get it right? And the answer is, no, she can't, because she's not a pop star. She's just pretending to be a pop star. So what do they do yesterday? They tart her up even more so. And they give her way too much fake hair. It just looked ridiculous. It just looked so stupid. And it was just posturing. It was little bits of dance. And then, you know, then they had the the drum thing. And then she throws a hand out and some fireworks go off. It was a lot of smoke and mirrors and not very much action. The camera deliberately stayed well away from her mouth so that you could not see that she was miming along to herself. The clue was no breathing. And when the people were around her, and also the sound remained constant. In other words, if you're singing live and you've got a microphone, the sound is going to keep changing as your voice changes, as you become a bit more tired. And if you do a big dance number, and believe you me, she wasn't doing a big dance number, it was it was a lot of sort of posing. It was a bit, bit crap, actually. But there you go, that's Cheryl Cole for you. Oh, why, eh? Because, and why does she sing with an American accent? Have you ever explained? She comes from Newcastle. We go on a fate, 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 fate for this, and that was it. They kept showing this little clip. The audience, of course, who'd actually clap if... Uh, if uh, if a fridge walked on stage, clapped again for this one. But on the internet, they were full of all the things she can't sing. It wasn't wasn't much cop, and the singles a bit dire as well. It's no good just having lots of like, sounds like doors shutting, and she does a bit of posing. I mean, James here could probably do manage a bit of dance. No, second thoughts, maybe not. You don't dance, do you, dear? No, I thought not. Console yourself with that. Anyway, I'm sure you will. Um, so no, he doesn't. There's a lot. Of, for some reason, there's a lot of people around here that don't dance. Sam doesn't dance. My other producer, he can't dance. I reckon Paudy does a very... I should imagine after a few drinks, you're the one in the corner. Come on, let's go hit that floor. Uh, so, but Cheryl was just... It was just weak. It was just very lame. And it just wasn't... It wasn't interesting enough. I wanted it to be so much more. And I thought, for 20 hours rehearsal, that was it, was it? I'd go back and start again. The song was lame. And uh, Tiny Temper, I think, did sing live. Because you can't really mime rap. You have to do rap live, whereas she, quite clearly, was miming to herself because there was no breathing, there was no up and down in the sound. There were were lots of things that you could pick on and say, she's not singing live. And you remember, of course, the disaster that she had when she sang live with Ronan Keating. She can't sing for Toffee. She cannot sing for Toffee. I don't know why you're buying into this rubbish of sort of Cheryl Cole, 45 million albums sold, and she's this and... No, it wasn't. It was just rubbish. But great way of over, over-hyping something, and I like that. I like, I like good production. I'm always the first person to, go, to do the big up for good production. If somebody does a good production number, listen to Sam Bailey's album. It's very much Simon Cowell. You could listen to it and say, that's a Simon Cowell album. Listen to something else, you go, not Simon Cowell. I'm, and I'm very good at spotting good overproductions. So I like that. So anyway, so then I see Stephen Mulhern doing the Britain's Got Talent end of show programme where he sits in a little studio and there's quite clearly a team in there and he's very funny and he's very clever because he's a magician. 
He's used to thinking on his feet. He's used to performing in front of people. So they have the Canadian magician on, the very irritating and very stupid lettuce, who, frankly, if, she, if we never see her again on television, it'll be a bonus for all of you. Uh, then we had the opera singer who wasn't much cop. And then we had... I don't remember seeing anybody else, actually. But the, the house band, and God knows why he accepted the gig. God knows why. It was the biggest mistake of his entire life. Peter Ondrex. Yes, that well-known... Peter loves his kids. And he was on there. I'm surprised, actually, he didn't bring out the wife and the new baby at the same time. And so he's there with a the little piece band. But he's not a singer. He is absolutely not a singer of any way, shape or form. If this is his new direction, I'd give up and go back to the other rubbish you were doing. Because this was dire. So when he came back, they let him do about a minute and a half. But he's obviously learnt the... Pot- Pete's very good at, at posturing. He does the Cheryl, which is poses with the microphone. Unfortunately, what emanated from his gob was nothing short of rubbish. He cannot sing. He cannot hold a tune together. It was just appalling. And uh, and then they had other people. Like they were playing a game without Anton Deck, who play along with Stephen very well. And then they bring on Eamon Holmes and his wife again. I mean, it's it's like because Chico came through one of the doors. What time is it? It's Chico time. You know, but Chico, who hasn't really worked since, apart from a few pantomimes and stuff like that, uh, sort of comes. And then you get Eamon Holmes, who, I mean, does he not realise that at that age, should he not be sort of... You know, looking around cemeteries or something, as opposed to hanging around on TV shows. I mean, you're way too old to be doing it. Way too old to be doing things like that. So, I mean, try and stay in a bit more. I'm sure we'd all appreciate it. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, and we shall weave everything in on the programme. Katie Price's impression is heaven on earth. It is true, Tim. I I do a good Katie Price impression. Actually, I do a good impression of most people, especially on Britain's Got Talent. But it was a good programme, except an Anton Deck did very well, and then they brought on the crew and they danced around and they showed you the producer, like you're interested. Who gives us stuff about the producers? No, I'm not, I'm not saying we don't. No, I'm, I'm, please, 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 please don't leave. Please, 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 please don't leave. Please just stay a little bit longer, please. I've just eaten a bit of your chocolate as well, actually. I very unwisely had a piece of Galaxy. Is, it, is this James? You bought it for me and James has eaten it. Oh, well, that's trouble. Oh, well, that's it. Really? Oh. And he's eaten it all. He's sat here all night and he's eaten my bar of chocolate. That is outrageous. You wait. I'll think of some suitable punishment for him while we take one of these breaks. Quarter past four. Want to get ready? 18. No, it's not 17. There's no point in wishing the morning away, is there really? No point in wishing the morning away. Uh, Anthony says, I'm guessing you suffer from hay fever. No, I don't, actually. I don't. I'm not a hay fever sufferer. I'm a diabetic, but I'm not a hay fever sufferer. I suppose I could be if I put my mind to it. Occasionally you sneeze. Like yesterday I sneezed about five times. You go, is that hay fever? Probably not. It's probably just dust or something like some sort of minor allergy. Do you know there's four million diabetics in this country? Four million diabetics. And they're saying if you're over the age of 40, you need to get checked. You need to get checked. Has he just walked back in the studio? Is that my... Or you, eating my chocolate? You ate my bar of chocolate? That was a present for me, and you've sat here and you've eaten it. I'm thinking a suitable punishment for you. It'll involve chains, OK? So brace yourself for that. I can't believe he's eaten my bar of chocolate. That was a big bar of chocolate as well. Thank you, Pordy, for my present. Well, now I have to get a stomach pump out, and I want my chocolate back. I want it back in, in any way, shape or form. So to mark Diabetes Week, Diabetes UK says that patients should be more involved in planning their own care. Now... I do get regularly checked. I do manage my own care. I am sort of more aware 
of it now. I do remember to take... I don't forget to take my tablets. I have, on occasion, forgotten to take my insulin, but that's only on very, very rare occasions. I try, I try not to forget things like that. I try to be very good and have a routine. So what I do in the kitchen, I make sure that the insulin is out... I make sure that the needle is next to it, so when I go in the kitchen to put the cup under the hot water machine, I know to put the needle on the insulin and do my insulin, so at least I remember to do these things. Then come in here and find that my chocolate's been eaten by somebody. I don't want to make a big deal about it, because it's obviously not something that's going to affect anybody, but uh, frankly, I'm a little bit miffed. Just a little bit miffed. So, uh, so diabetes weak, you have to get yourself checked. If you think you're a diabetic, and the hard and fast rule is, if you sweat... Too much. If you're overweight, if you smoke and drink and you're carrying a lot of weight, you could be diabetes, uh, diabetic. If it's in your family, it might be passed on. If you get up to go to the toilet more than about three or four times a night, go get yourself checked. It's a simple little blood test and it will tell you immediately if you're diabetic. Other people have probably wanted to be diabetic in the past, but they are not diabetic. And uh, so if you if you sweat a lot, if you climb into bed, if you're a bad sleeper, that could be overweight, drinking too much or smoking too much. But if you get up to go for a wee and you go a lot of times in the night, you know, and I, I could have got up about pff, seven or eight times easily, easily seven or eight times before I was diagnosed, thinking perhaps this it just goes through me quicker. Of course, as you as you sweat, you think, really, I need to cool my body down. So you drink lots of ice cold orange juice and that just makes it worse. You just become iller and iller. And there's there are 4 million people in the country diabetic. In America, they've got a huge problem with it. And so you must go and get yourself checked out. You do have to cut back on things. You, you, do, have to, um, you do have to sort of cut out things like milkshakes, you know, which are nice. And you can probably have them every so often. But really, you know, you can't. Ice cream, you shouldn't really have very often. But you can have it as like a treat. But you don't have to, you don't have to go completely berserk. You know, I remember saying for the first Christmas that I was diabetic, what about Christmas dinner? And they said, that's all right, you can still have Christmas lunch. Still do that. Just in moderation. Just don't go mad. And so that's exactly what I've done. I've done everything in moderation. Uh, I did see the photos of Jane Asher at the Royal Albert Hall. Noreen, wearing high street clothes. She's 68. 68. Yes, I remember every young girl was very envious of Jane Asher, because she was engaged to Paul McCartney, if you remember. She was his girlfriend. And uh, I did like the card, thank you very much indeed, and, and the Prezi. And they had a chat to Courtney downstairs. They did their, their wandering about in London. Uh, we're going to fate, fate, fate for a photo of your Bentley on the LBC website. Are you looking forward to Beckham's new Wild programme? Might even smile. Oh, I'm, not re- I'm really not looking forward to Beckham's programme. I couldn't care less, actually. I, I shan't be watching it. I'm not interested in, in watching anything with, with David Beckham. I mean, I'm sure he's very pleasant and, and very personal, but, I mean, I'm just, I just see him as a walking billboard now. Uh, the producer said that he did last for a few minutes, not the producer, a friend of mine, uh, watching Big... You didn't watch it at all, did you, Big Brother? And uh, just, just the launch he watched. But apparently it's so dire this time round. It's even worse. I mean, when you've got some hooker who bedded Wayne Rooney years ago called Helen Wood. I mean, a bit of an embarrassment all round. The, the, the funniest one, though, the funniest one is the girl who is a lingerie model and a Catholic. And she's going, oh, I can't bear these people walking around. And she's complained about everything. She's a bit, she's a bit of a hypocrite because on her website she's doing glamour girl poses. And uh, she's quite clearly a bit of an old tart. However, talking of tarts, here they are. The uh, the poor people from the Only Wears Essex. They flew out on EasyJet, so obviously nobody's got any money on this programme. And um, they were at Southend Airport, 
and they had to get them all on. They all turned up with loads of luggage. I wouldn't, I, w- I could understand it if they actually had any decent outfits, but they've all got some of the naffest outfits I've ever seen. Arge was there. I mean, honestly, what does he do for a living? Answer, nothing. He just eats food. He's a bit like Gemma Collins, poor soul. And so they all went out there. Bobby, little Bobby, apparently had three suitcases. God knows why. And he was sort of, he seems to think he's some sort of celebrity or something. Then they had Jasmine Wallier, bit of a naffo. James Diags Bennywith. I don't know why Diags is his middle name. Uh, Lauren Poppy, 31, but looking about 50. And, um, and uh, they, they decided on the EasyJet flight, because they have to do this occasionally. They've got to offload people. If the flight is too heavy, and all these people have too much luggage... Uh, they were overweight, so they have to say to people, look, would you like to come off the flight and we'll give you 100 quid, you wait for the next flight? And they go, yeah, that's fine. Uh, eventually, four passengers got off, and Bobby, that's the not-very-butch one, said, the attendant said, this hasn't happened on my whole career, and I said, you've never had Towie on board, baby. Oh, God, how naff. <laughs> you've never had Towie on board. <laughs> I'm sure they have, dear. I'm sure they have. 84850, uk. Uh, who's this? Uh, David Walliams said goodbye to Britain's Got Talent. They said he's he's quit. I don't know why. I don't I don't necessarily believe it. They say he's clashed with Simon throughout the series. People saying he's uh, he's overstepped the mark. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure about it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I believe he'll be back for the next series. They j- I mean the the ratings weren't very good, but mind you, even worse for Big Brother hemorrhaging audience like there's no tomorrow. Uh, Ollie Murs apparently is one of Pop's most eligible bachelors. Really? There's me thinking it was somebody like Justin Bieber. Ollie Murs just comes way, way down the list. His uh, 20s firmly behind him. He could soon be tying the knot. And uh, he played in the soccer team last night with uh, Jack Whitehall. And uh, that was good. You know, loads of people watched it. I personally, I'm not interested in that uh, soccer. Age. I, mean, I know it just, you know, I'm not interested in football full stop, so I couldn't care less who's playing in it. Makes no difference. Just the same old, same old. There's a lot of people who think they want to be footballers, and so they drag out John Bishop and Paddy McGuinness and load of people like that. And, uh, and Robbie Williams, who was larking about. The trouble is, though, he just, he just looks like a man who smokes too many cigarettes. Looks like he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. Uh, other stories in the papers today... This is uh, the story of... Oh, actually, we, we found two ones, actually. I found two good ones on the same page. First, a barking mad animal lover has spurged a fortune on a lavish wedding ceremony for her dogs, Squidgy, a Bichon Frise, and Yorkshire Terrier, um, Eddie, tied the knot after their owner, Alicia Caffrey, refused to let them live in sin when they produced pups. Oh, God. Alicia spent 400 quid on last week's knees up. That's a fortune, is it? She looks a bit chav, I'm afraid. And um, and they had a, a gown made. Alicia from Liverpool said, it was really important to me. They tied the knot. Now they've had puppies. In other words, really, should have had them done, love. You don't have things like that in house. And they've got a picture of her here as well. Rough would be a very good description. Rough. A benefits cheat who scammed thousands of pounds whilst working as a property developer has been jailed. Oh, good. Gwyn Kemp Philip claimed more than £41,000 despite owning land in the south of France. He had something like ten different accounts, but he only declared one of them. So they've uh, found him now. He's been jailed for four months, and he's got to pay the money back. So far, he's only paid back uh, £6,000. Oh, sorry, I'd have let him die in prison. I wouldn't have bothered about that. I'm sick to death of the, uh, of the people who fleece you, because the more people that fleece you, 
the less chance there is of you actually getting the services that you require for your elderly parents. And as, as all the people listening at the moment who smoke, you know, you'll be taking full advantage of the NHS a little bit later on. And if the facilities aren't there because they've had to spend it on people who benefit fraud, well, then that's kind of tough. Kind of tough. It's amazing how many people were making a big deal about the spikes the other day. Somebody likened them to the spikes put out for pigeons. Well, they're nothing like the spikes for pigeons. Absolutely nothing like... If they were the spikes for pigeons, you could put a blanket on them and they just flatten themselves. So need to stop pigeons landing on them. Pigeons are very good at dislodging spikes. I know, because we have about uh, a mile of spikes on, uh, on the building where I am uh, to deter pigeons, because they keep going back. They keep going back and... They then breed and they try making nests, so uh, we have water pistols and everything. And then we thought, easier to put up the spikes. So we put the spikes up. Result, no more pigeons. Fantastic. And so this was a a luxury block of flats where they cost about £800,000 each in London, quite average. And uh, they had uh, tramps sleeping in their doorway and urinating in their doorway and uh, doing other things as well. So they decided to put down these spikes on the ground to stop them saying, although to be honest with you, if you put a cardboard thing over it, you could probably sleep on it quite well, I should imagine. And then people are up in arms saying, oh, it's disgraceful, you know, why people are doing it. And you think, well, I tell you what, as I said yesterday on the programme, let them come and spend the night at your house. You know, let them come and spend the night at your house. If you'd spend 800000 on a flat and you can't get through your front door because there's some hobo sleeping there and the place smells of urine, no thank you. No thank you. You know, they go, oh, we have to sort the problem out. No. We don't. They have sorted the problem out. They put spikes in the ground. They don't want, you know, tramps sleeping by their front door. They've spent £800,000. They've worked hard just so um, some old soak can lie in their doorway. Definitely not. <clears throat> Went to One Direction last night. Was good. But out at 10pm out of Wembley, uh, out of the car park at midnight, says Jerry. Two hours to get out. God. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? When you go to these concerts, what you have to do is you have to think to yourself, if we take the car, how long is it going to take? We went to Boxing Day racing at Kempton a few years ago and we thought we were being clever by parking nearest to the nearest to the track. Well, of course, that meant that we were last to get out and it was just a nightmare. So we decided not to go again. What's happened to Tamara Tara Palmer Tonkinson? Nothing. She's done an interview on the uh, Jeremy Kyle show. Uh, talking about her cocaine addiction, because people who do cocaine after they've been sussed out, they then want to blow blow your mind by telling you what a boring existence they've had. And so she's on there and she said that she's not gone out. She doesn't uh, go out anymore, which I thought was good. Um, and she's best friends, isn't she, with Duncan from Blue, or is that one blown through as well? She used to come into LBC and do a programme off her trolley. Off her trolley she was. She used to come in and then for some reason she'd go to the toilet and she'd liven up quite considerably after that. Uh, Dom is awake this morning, which is lovely. And all oh, this, I got a good story actually, because from July, they're stopping taking cash on the buses, which I think is a brilliant idea. Absolutely brilliant. Everybody's got to have a card. Makes me laugh when you get people getting on the bus. How much is it? And you go, go and get an Oyster card. They're so easy to get. You don't have to register the thing. You just go and get an Oyster card. Go into the shop, get an Oyster card, put 10 quid on it. Just remember to keep topping the thing up and you'll be absolutely fine. I'll bring you the weather in a, in a moment, just in case you're worried about the weather. Coming up, some bosses are now letting their staff go to the pub early on Friday, as long as they promise to be productive for the rest of the week. LBC News Time. It's 4.30. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, five. Steve, uh, I was unlucky enough to catch... I won't mention this uh, this person's name because they used to work here some time ago. On Channel 5 News, sounding off about D-Day, so now she's a historian. Surely some mistake. Yes, 
Yes, she was most peculiar, this person. I can't tell you who she is. But when she was here, she was very, very odd. She didn't know anything. I mean, I, I really... She used to phone her father up when she had a guest in and ask her father about who the guest... and what sort of questions she should ask. I mean, she really knew nothing. And then she would ask the presenters, let's just say, very odd questions. I mean, really odd questions. She had a fixation with people's underwear. She would want to know what colour underwear you were wearing. And I remember thinking, you know, if I ever write an autobiography, she's featuring in it, because she was as mad as a broomstick. Mad as a broomstick. I can remember, And also, she was, I mean, she just, she just wasn't very good. Just wasn't very good. Uh, Steve, Alicia had two options on how to spend the £400. A dog's wedding or buy all her hometown of Liverpool and still get a tenner change, says Kevin the Milkman, keeping the North-South divide alive. Funny, isn't it? I wish that you know. I really wish there was a north-south divide, but there isn't really, is there? People, people try and make out that uh, that we don't like people in the north, which is ridiculous. We love them. as long as they stay there, they're fine. But you know, we don't we don't have any sort of animosity towards anybody from up north. I've always found people from from northern parts of this country very very friendly. You know, they're, they're much nicer. I remember going up to Manchester for a, a weekend a few years ago, and I went up with a friend of mine, and we were both amazed at how friendly people were. In clubs, people talk to you. In London, nobody talks to you. Nobody talks to you. have to push people. You know, hello, would you like to come? Oh, you're all right, you don't want to talk to me. I remember saying to a friend of mine who was new into London, and he started going out to clubs and clubbing and doing what people do, and he said, why do people tell lies in London clubs? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. He said, everybody's interested in what you do, how much money you earn, what car you drive. They're very into materialistic things. And I said, well, that, that's the shallowness of London, I'm afraid. If you go up north, nobody's particularly bothered, you know, whether you drive a Suzuki or a Bentley. You know, it doesn't really make any difference. It's only down south. We're slightly bothered by this. But uh, to, unfortunately, I've sprung a leak in the car. I've sprung an oil leak underneath. And so uh, it's got to go back into the garage today. To have that looked at because it started uh, yesterday. What was yesterday? Yes, yeah, Sunday. Started uh, yesterday, and then it's uh, it's sort of got a little bit worse. I'm now uh, worse. I'm now flooding the car park with oil at the moment. So I've checked there's enough in there, but I'll call round the RAC and they can come and put it onto a covered wagon, which is quite. Not anybody taking photographs of it going back to the garage. Thank you. Uh, when they insist upon oyster cards only on the buses, they'll raise the fares to compensate on what they'll lose on cash fares. Says Mark. I don't know why they bother. I mean, I've seen people getting on buses before now and going oh one to Richmond and producing a £10 note, you know, as if the bus driver's got that much change. And, of course, they don't have that much change because 99% of people now have got the Oyster card. I've got an Oyster card and another card, um, which free, um, free travel, and uh, which is lovely. Now, this week's not going to cost me a penny piece apart from today to get home. And I've got to find out because I'm, I'm going to try and be clever today because I want to time getting home with the RAC arriving. I don't know at what point I should call them. Do I call them when I'm at Waterloo Station? In which case, if the train gets delayed, I might have a driver sitting at home waiting to take the car, you know, going a bit, getting a bit short-tempered. Or, or, do I wait till I get home and then call the RAC? I don't know. I mean, I think I might do it as we, as we sort of get near to Twickenham, because I don't know how long it's going to take from phoning the RAC to them coming out. Can't be many people who want a low loader at this time of the morning. And uh, then we shall visit to the garage and they can sort of do the little thing underneath. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having to think about that one. I don't know. If there's an RAC person listening, I'm sure you can tell me how long from call-out to it arriving. On a low loader. This isn't somebody who can repair the car at the side of the road. It's not, uh, not, not going to be happening at all. Uh, and if you are one of those people who hasn't got an Oyster card... Who, I mean, you, you've got an Oyster card, haven't you, Paul? I mean, everybody's got one. It's so much easier. You just keep it loaded with money. 
and then, and you just use it all the time. I never understand why people get on the bus, and they go, beep, 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 which means they haven't got any money on it, and so they turn it round, beep, 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 then they turn it backwards, and they seem to turn them every which way but, and still there's no money on there, and the driver's going, you've got no money on there, you've got no money, you know, you've got to keep them topped up, otherwise it's, uh, it's not very, uh, not very good, is it, really? Um... Is Adam in San Francisco says, I've just seen educating Joey Essex. Is he for real? I couldn't tell if it was entertaining or just a bad accident. No, it's just a bad accident, I'm afraid. He really is that thick. It's an embarrassment, really, isn't it? But he's, but he's got a girly friend. And he was pictured this week wearing Speedos. Very unwise, I think. Very unwise. Unless you're like Bungalow Bill Wiggins, as Joan Collins used to say about Bungalow Bill Wiggins. We called him Bungalow because it was all downstairs and there was nothing upstairs. And Joey Essex, unfortunately, is completely the opposite. There's nothing downstairs and there ain't much upstairs either. And so he's very unwisely wearing his, uh, his little Speedos. It just looked a bit ridiculous, I'm afraid. It just, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't a good look. Producer's now checking the photos, just to make sure. <laughs> this is, he was on the beach with sort of green speedos, I think. And he was with his girlfriend, girlfriend. And uh, they were both wearing sort of green. I don't know why they were wearing green, but he, he just, he looks a bit simple. And in fact, that, uh, I think that just kind of, uh, kind of sums him up, really. I don't know why people would bother wearing speedos on the beach. They do look ridiculous. The only person who looks good in them is Russian weightlifters. Anybody else just looks absolutely mad. Don't ever wear them. I don't think so. So he's... Uh, oh, this is, this is obviously the one in, uh, in Dubai. This is Dubai. So you'd have to take that page down. They say doing his Bond impression. So down... Does it go down further? Oh, it's frozen, is it? It's always... If it's, I've discovered computers. If they're downloading a picture, it takes them forever, doesn't it? Sometimes they're really... Look, hello. Nothing going on. Nothing going on at all. Really embarrassing. Really embarrassing. So poor little Joey Essex, here in after known as Josephine, I'm afraid. It's not happening, is it? Uh, Simon Cowell, do you know they all went off uh, for a party the other night at the Grosvenor House, which was lovely. And Anton Deck were there uh, in their casual clothes. Simon Cowell sitting in the back of his Rolls Phantom. And he's got his fags, his mobile phone in the back. He lives on his, on his phone, apparently. Absolutely lives on his telephone, which I don't have a problem with. Lots of people live on their on their telephones. I like the idea that a bogus lawyer known as the Devil's Advocate for his links with Saddam Hussein and Ian Brady is bidding to move back to an Italian jail because he says ours are dirty and full of thieves. Giovanni Di Stefano, serving 22 years for thieving, is quite clearly as deluded as he is ugly. He, uh, he had money laundering, he's uh, deception and everything else. He's in Wandsworth Jail in a letter to a pal... He says, I'd rather serve a hundred years in my own country than one day here. Places full of thieves. Yep, you're one of them, matey. And you're going to... How old is he now? He's 58, so 22 years for... 70, oh, you'd be dead. There's no chance he's going to survive. Uh, actually, probably safer here. Probably safer here, I would think. Uh, Mick Jagger's involvement with a mystery young lover was just a fling. Friends of the rock star. Uh, a friend of him says, nice to see him enjoying life again. The trouble is, I mean, this girl looks, looks young enough to be his daughter. In fact, even younger. Because he's an old man of 70, and she is how old? I've got no idea. Um, I've really got no idea, but she's all over him like a rash. I suppose that's her five minutes of fame. You know, what was it about the multimillionaire ageing 70-year-old? Uh, people say he still misses Lorraine. Of course, they've got to say that. Uh, I think it's, it's an indication of where the relationship was, and I don't think it was anywhere. I don't think it was anywhere at all. In fact, her sister has said... 
you know, why do you think she was unhappy? Quite clearly, he's always been a bit of a Lothario. But, as I said yesterday, uh, both Kay Burleigh and I both agreed that it's really got nothing to do. He can sleep with who he wants. If, indeed, they're implying that they are sleeping together, it's up to him. He, you know, it doesn't make any difference at all. I mean, he wasn't married to Loren Scott. It was just his girlfriend. I don't know why people are so interested. Old, wrinkly man. I mean, God knows, with clothes on, he looks bad enough. With them off, it's going to look even worse. Nothing a good iron couldn't sort out, my mother used to say. I mean, he's been criticised of cozying up to this woman. Why would it bother anybody who he goes out with? He can go out with who he wants to. He's 70 years old, for goodness sake. He must Probably he's on borrowed time. Borrowed time. And so they, you know, if he wants to go out with this person, let him go out with this person. Nothing to do with anybody. It's like, I couldn't care less who anybody else goes out with. It really doesn't bother me. Oh, look, here they are. This is, uh, isn't it funny? When you see pictures of the uh, the Only Way's Essex gang and their, their, their photographers out with them in, uh, I think they're in Marbella. And here she is, little Miss Minging. It's poor old Lydia Dim. With a face like a squashed pineapple. It's no good just putting a bikini on, love, and thinking you're a model. You're not. Chloe Sims just looks a little bit dated. Uh, Grace, somebody, I've got no idea who she is. Grace Andrews, no idea. And uh, the other one is Jasmine Wallier. Luckily, they all took a, pho- a photographer out there with them. And then they opened their mouths. And you really don't want to hear Chloe Sims talking, do you? You really don't want to hear it. Here's the picture in the paper. You, you probably noticed it yesterday, because I highlighted it, of the metal spikes... Uh, installed to keep the homeless away from luxury flats. Seems perfectly normal to me. Critics say the deterrent was dreadful and rough sleepers were being treated like vermin. No, no, no. You don't tra- Why are they treated like vermin? You don't put spikes down for rats, do you? You put boxes down and kill them off. That'd be completely different. So they've... Uh, I don't know why. Andrew Horton spotted the inch-long studs in Southwark and posted a photo. He said it certainly looked like they were planted there to deter homeless people. It's dreadful. Well, I'll tell you what, Andrew. Why don't you invite them round to your place, love? You know, give, why, why don't you just let them sleep in your garden and in your front, by your front door? But, of course, you won't do that, will you? You won't do that. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, David Wells says they were like the spikes used to keep pigeons off buildings. No, 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 no. They're nothing like the spikes. Completely different. You obviously haven't seen them. Uh, Catherine Sachs-Jones from the homeless charity... Crisis blasted the move. She said, we will never tackle rough sleeping with studs in the pavement. Darling, you'll never tackle rough sleeping full stop. You will never, ever tackle it. Never, ever, ever tackle it. You really won't. You really won't. It's no good. I know know it's, you know, you run a charity and I understand how that works. But unfortunately, there's so many people coming into London. You'll never tackle homeless sleeping. We've got it all round here. All round here. You can go into shop. I could probably look out this window now and probably see somebody sleeping in the doorway of the Garrick Theatre. So you'll never tackle it, because otherwise you would. It's no good taking food out to them, because they just sit on the streets and sleep. They're in all the doorways, all the way down the Strand. You think you're sorting the problem out? You're not. If I live to be 75, which will be a miracle, you will never sort the problem out. And, uh, but it's good, because it keeps a charity going, doesn't it, really? Coming up, Harbour Beach in Tenby in Wales has been judged as the most beautiful beach in Europe, beating off competition from resorts in Portugal and Italy. LBC, it's quarter to five. Oh, if only you could hear the conversations we have. One of these days you will. One of these days somebody will say to me, Stephen, we've just heard that conversation. It used to be years ago that people would write in and say, we've heard your producer talking to you through through your headphones. And so I said, really? I said, so I'll get the producer to say something and then you tell me what you think the producer said to me. And we were made, people could hear. But the worst time... The worst time of my life was when we, we were sitting in the studio, not these studios, other studios, and, um, and somebody said, we can see you on the internet. 
and I went, see me on the internet. Uh, now, I know that we have cameras in all of our studios. We've always had cameras in the studios. And we used to have an internet cam years and years ago in our studio, but it was, it was never on as far as I was concerned. And somebody said, yes, I can see you now in your studio. And I said, no, I said, all right, what am I doing now? And I lifted up my cup and they went, you've just lifted your coffee cup up. And I thought, perhaps they're guessing, perhaps they're guessing. So what am I doing now? So I, I literally stood up and I put my foot on the desk, which is very unwise in this business. And they went, you've just stood up and put your foot on the desk. And I said, so you can see us. Where is this coming up? And they said, I'll send you the link. They sent me the link and I'm sitting here and I swear to God, the screen burst it, And there's me on the screen. On the internet, what had happened was somebody inadvertently had left the camera on in the studio and we were broadcasting everything on the internet, but nobody told me. Well, I had it switched off immediately. I mean, it's not that we do anything peculiar, because I always think doing, watching somebody doing a radio programme is possibly the most boring thing you could ever do. There is nothing to watch. We used to go down to the Ideal Home Show years and years ago, and always our studios were built in like a conservatory, so people would come and push their noses up against the glass and just watch you sit in. Because I don't touch anything. I don't have any... Con- I've, got a, I've got a control panel here, but, I mean, I, I, I don't want to touch anything in case I break it. So I just sit here, and, we, you know, Portie does the whole thing next door. But it's, but it's so dull watching... And people say, oh, can we come in and watch the programme? And you go, but you're just going to watch somebody sitting on a chair, leaning forward into a microphone, chatting. It's not, not really that exciting. What he's saying is very exciting, of course. Uh, bad enough, says somebody here, Steve, about that stupid passport office worker preventing the 91-year-old veteran going to D-Day's <laughs> celebrations. Pardon me. You know, remember this was the guy over Frederick and Frederick. This was his middle name. And because they put it down as Frederick, and it should have been Frederick, they said he can't go. We're not going to validate his passport. So they didn't let this 91-year-old veteran go. And um, on the news on LBC last night, a man got into a a house on D-Day on Friday, pretending he was from the water company and needed to check the water pressure. He then stole his war medals. This is a 91-year-old who was there, and I read the story in the paper, and I felt as much revulsion as everybody else, because I just can't understand how somebody can actually break into somebody's house and steal something like like war It's like breaking in and stealing you know, your mother's ashes or your father's ashes or something like that. Or I mean, that I find the most... I would take these people out and hang them, I'm afraid. I think that these people don't even deserve to be in, you know, around normal human beings. I think they should be dropped somewhere. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but, you know, to steal this man's war medal. He's gone through a war, and at the age of 91, he deserves to have some sort of life, some sort of quality of life, but people thieve. And I hope they find them. I hope they do find them, because it's, it's, it's just a, a most awful thing to do to somebody. Most awful thing. I've, you know, we've had, we've had this before, countless times, of people who've stolen. We had round our way a woman. She was in our, I should have brought the paper in. It's our local paper. It was the same one that was talking about... Do you remember we had a, a police officer who listens to us, and he goes on these special assignments, and on the day I met him, he was going off to do an assignment. It turns out they were raiding a crack den, a crack den, if you please, in Hounslow. Well, it made the papers this week, so I texted him yesterday to say, you've made the local papers. He said, oh, that's interesting. It was very good. And in the same paper, there was a woman. She's only just come out of prison for thieving. She lives on a caravan site, OK? That's all it says. She lives on this caravan site in Hampton. And she's got out of prison for thieving. What does she do? She went thieving again. With a friend, they went round to people's houses, elderly people, pretending that their ball had gone into the garden, could they come through? And while one went through to the back garden to find the ball, which of course didn't exist, the other one was rifling the house. And she's been caught again, stealing from an old-age pensioner, a woman. She stole some jewellery and some cash from her. 
And I think you can't educate these people. They're too stupid. It's like educating anybody who appears on the Jeremy Kyle show. It's just not possible. These people are so dumb, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know that they were dumb. That's, what, that's why you're dealing with something that's so awful. You know, people, people complain about the way young people behave nowadays, but unfortunately these are adults committing these crimes. And that's why it's, it's just so dreadful that this poor man loses his war medals. I hope they turn up, because they're of no use to somebody, unless they, get, they probably won't even understand what they are. They've just seen them and thought, oh, perhaps they're gold or something. That any, any self-respecting dealer worth his salt would know, you know, if somebody turns up and says, well, where do you get these from? Uh, just found them. They're my uncles or something like that. You know, you've got to check this stuff. You really have. Because to take something away from a 91-year-old makes me just feel so, so awful. The more I look at these spikes, the more I think they're actually quite attractive. I do think, you know, in, in terms of spikes, they've actually done them quite well. There must be a company that make these. There must be a company. Southwark Council said it was not responsible for the spikes, but was aware of concerns. Leader Peter John said the council can look into the health and safety or planning concerns reported to us. Well, there is no health and safety. They're by somebody's private property. And they don't want people sleeping in their doorway. You spend £800,000 on a flat. I'll tell you what. I mean, if Peter Johns declares against this, I mean, I think they should direct all the uh, homeless people to go and sleep in his doorway. See how he likes it. Because I think all these people, they go, oh, no, you can't do things like that. They don't want to actually look after it themselves, do they? They don't want to do the deal with the problem. But I think they have to. I think they absolutely have to deal with the problem. There's a supercomputer. A supercomputer. It's become the first machine to fool experts into thinking it was a boy of 13. And uh, this uh, computer programme duped 33% of people. This machine beat the so-called Turing test, named after the Second World War codebreaker Alan Turing. It's interesting, isn't it? And uh, Saturday was the 60th anniversary of Turing's death. This was the man who cracked the Nazis' Enigma code in the war, saving many thousands of lives. You know that he was pilloried by society because he was gay. And uh, I got a text from somebody the other day called Pickle, I think, uh, talking about Alan Turing. And I'd been to the Science Museum only about uh, six months ago, and they had a huge exhibition looking at the work of Alan Turing and how he was pilloried by the press for being gay. Because uh, back in his day, it was illegal. Back in his day, you know, people were shunned. And uh, you look at what he gave to the world and you look at his contribution and you can't fault him. I mean, the fact he was gay was, was totally immaterial. But can you imagine, can't you, even when Oscar Wilde was jailed... Was it the Earl of Sandwich or something? And he sort of called him every name under the sun. You think, oh, God, in this day and age, grow up, mate. Grow up. Good heavens above, they're in Parliament and everywhere now. Absolutely everywhere. Other stories in the papers. The Sun this morning, Ofsted to raid Trojan schools. And these are the the Trojan horses' Islamist plots. The Prime Minister last night pledged to fight back as Ofsted prepared to deliver a damning report. Because they're saying that some of these schools are, are breeding terrorists and they're feeding stuff into young, innocent minds that shouldn't actually be there. So that will, that will run in the papers for the whole of this week. I'm sure you've all got thoughts on that. Uh, the only way is Essex cast will read the Riot Act after star Mario Falcone was suspended. We saw these pictures in the papers yesterday, didn't we? Which appeared to show Mario Falcone, here and afterwards known as that really stupid one. Uh, he's already exhibited himself on the internet. And it appeared to show, I mean, I can't believe he'd be that stupid, him snorting cocaine in a friend's kitchen. I mean, you, you can't believe that it is him. And second, you can't believe he would be that stupid. But there again, I've seen him on the programme. It is possible he can be that stupid. But I'm hoping 
that it's not. But anyway, he's now been barred from the photo shoot from the 2015 TOWIE calendar in Marbella, and he's been suspended from the programme. About time this programme started cracking down. Perhaps you could stop Gemma Collins from eating too much. That might be a, a nice little gesture, help her out of her dilemma, perhaps keep her away from her deadbeat boyfriend. It's another one. Yeah, she's going out with a bloke at the moment, apparently, who is, um... He's serving time in prison for cocaine. For cocaine, ladies and gentlemen. And so she said she likes dating uh, risky people. Well, she's probably quite grateful to date anybody because she's hardly the catch of the century, is she? And so uh, she says he's serving... Wait a minute, just listen to this. I mean, this is how dumb she is. He's serving five and a half years in prison for cocaine trafficking. Okay, But he's already out on... uh, Perhaps he gets sort of day release or something. And that's the best he can manage. While she's aware of his shady past... That's what it's laughingly called nowadays. Big-hearted Gemma, for that read, fat is prepared to give her new man, who she first dated when she was in her early 20s, the benefit of the doubt. What, you're saying the courts were wrong for five and a half years, Gemma? Good God, love. You really are looking really bad at the moment. Very, very bad. You've got to go on a diet. You know, get yourself sponsored by somebody, because at the moment it's just... You're heading for a major disaster. Major disaster. And we wouldn't want to see that, would we? Oh, we found a, a big strapless bra. L. L. Is that is that huge? Sounds enormous to me. Absolutely enormous. L. Amazing, really. Uh, Lots of people talking in the papers today about Tara Palmer Tompkinson, claiming that her damaged nose is the result of a a remote control falling onto it. (laughs) The socialite told Jeremy Kyle her schnozzle can no longer be repaired. Her septum had earlier been damaged by her £250-a-day six-year cocaine habit, which obviously didn't help. An operation saved it from collapsing until that clumsy moment remote control left her with a permanently bent schnoz. There's probably nothing inside holding it together. She told uh, Jeremy Kyle, without a shadow of a doubt, it was weakened by cocaine. But it was, uh, I was fluffing the sheets and the big sky remote came and landed on it. Yeah, Jack and Ori, Jack and Ori. Who's, who's selling some houses? Sting is cashing in on the property boom. He's selling two properties, which will net him, I am told, £30 million. Now, that's what I call uh, a bit of careful planning in the uh, in the bricks and mortar department. Two homes for nearly £30 million. Oh, it could have been me. Loads more to come on your early Monday morning breakfast from LBC with Steve Allen. We'll go through the rest of the papers, bring you the top stories so you don't have to, including the woman who live-tweeted her own birth from the delivery room. One in 20 children have admitted to using sunbeds, despite it being illegal for the under-18s. Texting drivers are worse than the ones who drink. Owners of foreign registered cars are free from parking tickets. After councils told Waldens it was a waste of money chasing fines. And a 94-year-old man has passed his driving test after four attempts. Oh, and of course, we'll have all your tweets and emails. It's steve at lbc.co.uk or 84850. This is LBC. I am Steve Allen. And all of that is next. Morning, everybody. I can't believe that 20, 1 in 20 children have admitted to using sunbeds. I mean, it's illegal for the under 18. Are they that obsessed with using sunbeds? I mean, truth be told, I did use sunbeds. I mean, but not for many, many a year, because I suddenly realised if you're diabetic and you use a sunbed, it does something horrible to your skin. I mean, literally, you feel like you're on fire. I came out of a sunbed once going, oh, my God, I felt as I was burning up inside. It was terrible. But I used to use one called Tropical Beach, which wasn't, you know, uh, lights on the bottom and on the top. It was just on the top, and you turned yourself over. My God, it was hot. So you got a tan in one session. When I say a tan, you got burnt in one session. We kind of love that colour, don't we? Don't know why. 
Well, after that, it's nice to be company. This morning, it's LBC. We're here 24 hours a day with a variety of programmes. Uh, 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. The good news is that the Jackson 3, the children, have had their money upped from the will. They've now given them £5 million a year. Prince, Paris and Blanket used to get £3 million between them, but because... The uh, the Jackson estate has earned around three hundred million pounds. Um, they now get five million pounds. <coughs> to be honest with you, I think they should give it to them all. Uh, the children could buy what they like. Uh, Prince is said to have splashed out thirty thousand pound on jewellery for girlfriends, and it also pays for school fees and holidays. But that was their dad, for goodness' sake. They should get all that money. I don't. Five million pounds a year. Five million pounds each would be about right. Um, Pete says, if you can't put broken glass on top of walls in case you injure burglars, what chance have spikes to keep people away got? Um, well, there is a place down by the bus station in Richmond where they've got glass on the walls. Years ago, you used to see that. People would put a layer of concrete on the wall, cement, and then they would put broken bottles into it to deter people from climbing over it. And then one council said, no, you can't do that. And you can't, you can't do that for the simple reason that it might hurt a burglar. I thought, yes, that would be the intention. That would be the intention. So, spikes on the ground. I mean, they could say they just, you know, it deters pigeons from sitting there. But either way, they don't want homeless people in the doorway of their £800,000 flats. It's as simple as that. You just don't. You just don't. You know, and for crisis and for all the other homeless charities, it's lovely. But you'll never sort the problem out because there's a lot of people who don't want to go and live in a home. They want to go and live in somebody's doorway. Go down the Strand now. I could probably pick out about one, two, three, four doorways where they sleep on a regular basis. I see them every single morning, including one just on the corner of Trafalgar Square. People are sleeping all over the place. (coughs) And that's people who are drunk. Uh, people are on drugs, mainly drunks, though I'm afraid, and they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to go into a into a into a centre and go and sleep there. They go to the church down here because they get fed. And you've probably got up and down the country lots of other churches where people go in, and the uh, the good people in the church give them breakfast. But they all hang around there. They're sleeping in doorways. Lots of them. I could take. I mean, there must be a, a good forty people around here sleeping in doorways. So you know, for all the good work that crisis do, you're not solving the problem because it's just getting worse and worse. There's loads of... You go down on the embankment, there's loads of people sleeping at night. They're just taking food round there. Why are, they not, why are crisis... I don't know how rich crisis is as a charity. Why are they not building places or taking them over and then sort of saying, all right, you can all come and kip in here for the night? And the answer is because they don't want to do that. Because obviously even they realise that it's the, you know, it's just a huge problem. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We went to Kingston on Saturday. Saw you driving in your... Huge car near Hampton Court. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Not on Saturday, you didn't. Absolutely not. So, uh, t- definitely not me. Definitely not me. Uh, I was uh, I was out <coughs> on Saturday. Away for the day. Away for the day. Uh, somebody said about Mick Jagger, who cares? It's his life. Yes, I mean, I totally agree. I don't know why we're worrying about who Mick Jagger's going out with. We don't sort of worry about anybody else. Why worry about Mick Jagger? Is it because Lorenz Scott committed suicide? Is it that? Or is it the case of, you know, maybe the relationship was over ages and ages ago? And is it a case that, you know, he just wanted to to move on and get on with something? What is he going to do? Sit there. He's 70 years old, for goodness sake. Uh, let me just bring you a, an, an update on uh, the Karachi airport terror attacks. These security forces have relaunched an operation as gunfire has resumed. 24 people 
are dead. 24 people. There's no damage to aircraft. Uh, there is uh, fires which are visible. Uh, one was in a... N- not actually on the planes, but in a building. Uh, all vital assets are intact. And uh, there's now fresh concern about Pakistan's shaky security situation. Questions about how militants were able to penetrate Jinnah International Airport, which serves one of the world's biggest cities. Gunmen attacked one of Pakistan's biggest airports on Sunday, and at least 24 people were killed, including all 10 of the attackers. Uh, This is on uh, Jinnah International Airport in Karachi. Pakistan's sprawling commercial hub of 18 million people took place as the Prime Minister, Nawaz Sharif's government, tried to engage the Pakistani Taliban militants in negotiations to end years of fighting. So uh, we'll bring you up to date with more of that as, indeed, the uh, situation changes throughout the morning here on LBC. Um, Steve, supply and demand in a free market and the government helped to buy. Of course, what am I missing? Europe, up the junction as the D-Day memory fades, says Daryl. Uh, did you not think that the D-Day commemorative uh, programmes were fantastic? Oh, I thought it was amazing. Some of these old boys who aren't going to be able to go there again, who are, you know, many of whom will not be here next year, I thought it was a great opportunity for them to be honoured, but what an emotional experience for them all. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I really did. I was, you know, very, very moving. Very, very moving indeed. Um... Another one here that says, um, wait a minute, this is from, uh, oh, this is from Tim. And Tim says, uh, if you've got a free wig from the NHS, would you wear it? They don't give free wigs, actually, unless you're very sick. You can buy some really good ones, really good ones. I do watch these Ideal World programmes, and I'm fascinated by them because they sell wigs for people. Um, And, you know, you'd never know that they were wigs. You wouldn't have the faintest idea that these were wigs. They look so good, so good, that I I sort of think to myself, if I was one of those people... Also, I don't think men look good in wigs. Men should never wear wigs, because they do look like wigs. Elton John's looks like a wig. You know, Frank Sinatra's looked like a wig. But you see other people on the... I mean, Dolly Parton, of course, wears wigs all the time. Joan Collins wears wigs all the time. Lots of people wear wigs all the time. But I I do have a problem. You might better help me with this. I have um, Starbucks loaded onto my iPhone. And uh, it's on my phone. And what I do is every so often I put some money on it and I use the phone to pay. Now, I used to get rewards. I used to get free cups of coffee because I bought, you know, two cups of coffee every day. Now, all of a sudden, I don't get the little bits of paper, but they say you've got rewards. So you click the reward button and it says, there you go, your next drink or food is on us. But I don't quite understand how you get this thing off the telephone. You've hit the lucky dozen, your next drink or food is on us, and I don't know, and it's 12 stars, your next reward. So they put up a picture of a cup. Now, does that mean, because I've now turned it away from that, put it back onto that, and and it's gone again. So I don't quite understand how you get your free drinks, or are they just not giving free drinks to anybody anymore? I don't really understand how it works. So if anybody can help me out on that one. I know it seems a fairly petty thing, but I, I do spend quite a bit of money on cups of frothy milk. Certainly can't be on proper cups of coffee, can it, really? 84850steve-at-lbc.co.uk A lot of you expressing your disgust at the person who stole the war medals. They don't care, though, do they? They really don't care if they steal from a veteran or perhaps from their own parents. They're either fueling a drug habit. In fact, nine out of ten times, they are fueling a drug habit. Uh, the Met Office is expecting a sizzling summer, but they're too embarrassed to tell the public. Well, they didn't tell us about the fact that on Saturday, the day that we thought we were going to be having torrential rain and uh, thunderstorms, it, it turned out to be one of the hottest days I've ever experienced. 
There's a secret forecast of hotter-than-average temperatures emerging in a briefing to government officials, council and transport chiefs. The long-range predictions, called the seasonal forecast, used to be made public, but that was stopped after it was notoriously wrong in 2009, which was the year of the predicted barbecue summer that never was. So now, I mean, I don't know why we've got the Met Office. What's the point? Do they actually serve any useful purpose? If I say to you, which I can do this morning quite easily, what the what the weather is going to be, and I say to you, showers or outbreaks of rain, often heavy and thundery, and it turns out to be a brilliantly sunny day, we go, OK, so they've got it wrong again. Or do we go, well, you know, they're doing a good... I don't understand what they do at the Met Office. Why don't you just look out the window? If you want to know what the weather is, look out the window. If it looks like this, it's going to be OK. Take a very small umbrella with you. should be fine. Today, bright or sunny intervals. Scattered showers. Showers becoming heavy with thunder and at times merging into areas of heavy and thundery rain. So it's going to be rain and, and sunshine, which is practically what it is every day in this country. Very warm and humid. 23 degrees. Currently 17. 17 degrees today. And then uh, tomorrow... Early fog quickly clearing. I don't mind the early fog. We get that up and down the country. Sunny spells remaining predominantly dry. Isolated afternoon showers developing. More the merrier as far as I'm concerned. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, you're not serious about the weather. I said, absolutely. I said, the wetter it is, the happier I am. I am really so much happier when, when, it's, when it's miserable and overcast. Um, TV Today with Colin Robertson. Cheryl Cole's comeback on Britain's Got Talent. Live final left fans fuming. She sure as hell can't sing. They say it's what we decided yesterday. We asked um, Kay Burley, and she said she um, she looked good, apart from the fact she was wearing somebody else's hair stuck down her back, which did look slightly odd. And the camera didn't go too close in, so you could see that she was lip syncing not very well on the odd occasion. I mean, you could see she wasn't actually singing that song live. Uh, for what it was worth, it wasn't a great song. The dance routine was was pitifully awful. I'm afraid it's great to pad it out with lots of lighting effects to make her look as if she really was moving a bit faster than she was. But it didn't work for me and didn't work with lots of the fans. Uh, Tiny Temper, they say, was 100 percent live. And all the amateur contestants did it. And then people just took to the internet, because that's what they do now, and complain about it and say, you know, it wasn't really good enough. But there again, she wasn't much good when she did the last song, which she was accused of miming as well. In fact, actually, I'm not actually sure whether she can sing live or whether or not people are going to go, oh, my God. So perhaps better to... I mean, Steps never sang live. Steps never sang live, and that didn't seem to do their career any harm. But it's, it's when they don't... You see, the trouble is, I don't think Steps took themselves too seriously. I think Cheryl Tweedy takes herself way too seriously and sort of talks about, you know, my fans are worth it because they want to see me back singing and dancing. No, they don't. Coming up, the best way for 70-year-old men to keep fit is to play football as it improves their muscle tone, balance and bone strength. There you go. I might be taking that one up later on today. LBC, it's quarter past five. Every and nice heavy company, it's 5.20. It's Monday morning. I've been saying that about the weather for years, Steve. I actually turn down the radio every time the weather comes on. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't make any difference, does it? I can remember missing the weather out years ago, and somebody wrote in and went, uh, I'd like to know what the weather is. And so I said, well, it can be anything you want today. Sunshine and showers, you know, a little bit of a wind and uh, fairly humid. And, and if it isn't, well, then it isn't. It's wrong. So what can you, you can't go back onto the weather afterwards. You know, we all remember some of the great gaffes that they've made on the, on the television weather reporting. So if, in other words, if I say today it's going to be absolutely a heat wave and then it rains, nobody's going to come back to me tomorrow and say, oh, you got it completely wrong. I'm going to say, I didn't. The Met Office told me to say that. I can only repeat what it is. I'm not a, not a weather forecaster. I, I look out the window. If it looks like rain and smells like rain, it's going to rain. So take an umbrella. Did I bring one today? No, I didn't. Although I did take one on Saturday, driving down to Brighton, 
And then all of a sudden, the heavens opened. The heavens opened. That's a nice... Is that your little umbrella? Yeah. Oh, pinch it. Pinch it. If somebody's left it in here for a week, it's worth taking. And I've got just a little small umbrella. Because then I think, oh, it's only water, for goodness sake. It doesn't matter, does it? Uh, I feel very sorry for the D-Day hero who couldn't get to the commemorations because of the stupid red tape at the passport office. Says Glenn. Yes, I mean, I thought that was a bit silly. You'd have thought that one time of the year that he really needed to go somewhere. They could have made an exception. They can make an exception. Uh, Another one here which says, uh, in the early 70s, I worked at a government-run resettlement unit in Peckham. We would take 300-plus homeless men per night and housed over a 1,000 residents. There were also units all over London and would always be full. Yes, because you've got to, they have to check in by a certain time, don't they? You can't just wander in at three o'clock in the morning or something like that. You've got to be there at a certain time. Uh, Overnight, we were told to close with nothing in its place, and I'm afraid the situation has gotten worse since then. Unfortunately, some men and women will always prefer to live in these places, says Kate. There you go. Yes, I mean, it's, it's a case of some people want to live in a doorway. They don't not want to live in a doorway. But if you've spent that much money on a flat, do you want them living in your doorway? No, you don't. Of course you don't. Otherwise, it devalues your property. Why would you spend £800,000 when somebody comes around to view and they go, but you've got homeless people sleeping in your doorway and using it as a toilet. You go, I know. What can you do, though? Crisis, say, you know, we've got to be more tolerant. I don't think people are more tolerant in London. I don't think they're tolerant at all. It's a case of it's my castle. I'm going to look after it the best I can. Uh, Very weird, says Pat. I was about to text you and tell you I got an email about my Starbucks rewards and then ping went my phone and an email from Starbucks telling me to look up on the internet under my rewards. Well, I mean, I've got it on the phone, but I just don't know how you transfer it from the phone. Perhaps I just show it to them and go, how do I get that off there? And they're going to go, don't know. Because none of us are any the wiser, I'm afraid. (laughs) So if anybody else knows, do please tell me. Do please tell me. 84850steve.lbc.co.uk So as she prepares for Glastonbury... And nobody can quite believe it, but I suspect she's going to storm it. Dolly Parton has come out again at the age of 68. When I say come out, she's come out to discuss again her relationship with her personal assistant, Judy. Judy and I are not lovers. We never have been, she declares. You can't really expect that somebody's been that impertinent as to even suggest it of Dame Dolly Parton. Instead, she says, it's the story of true, true friendship of two little girls who've been together twice, uh, been together since third grade. It hurts your feelings when people try to dirty up something that's really so pretty. Even at the age of 68, she's still talking in this little, little sort of girly, can it's so pretty, so pretty. And uh, her husband of 48 years, Carl Dean, isn't seen in public, nor is he likely to show up at Glastonbury. Uh, He doesn't want to be singled out and asked questions. That's not him, says Miss Parton. That's why we've been together for 50 years this month. Dolly has spoken. In other words, you know, she ain't admitting to anything, and she's telling you the way it is. She's married to Carl, and she has been for nearly 50 years, and that's the way it is. He's never seen out with her. He's never seen in public. He doesn't attend any... Unless he does it in disguise, but as we don't know what he looks like, it doesn't really help, does it? I suppose we might have to look at her differently. But there has always been rumours surrounding poor Dolly Parton and her friend Judy, who is her personal assistant. And I know lots of people who've got personal assistants. I mean, said they're having relationships with them. But she did say, she said, Judy and I are such good friends, we can sleep in the same bed. Well, there's probably loads of you listening that can sleep in the same bed as, uh, as friends of yours. You know, you don't have any, any problem with things like that. But at the age of 68, she's still still having to defend herself, which seems a bit ridiculous. But she will storm it at Glastonbury. Glastonbury, she will rule, because she's such a seasoned pro. 
She'll get up on that stage and she will just come out and she'll have them all singing along to Jolene and uh, Islands in the Stream and everything else because those are the ones she does in concert. Uh, just to know, Steve, says Vic in Boreham Wood, I thoroughly enjoyed your In Conversation with Hank Marvin. You are a very lucky man. And to prove my dedication, there's a picture of me right in the middle of the group with my Fender Fiesta Red Signature Stratocaster taken at the Watford Shadows Club. Wow. Gosh. Quite a nice thing. Good Lord. Yes, that, I mean, did you like the story about the Stratocaster? I thought that was fantastic. That it's in Richmond at the moment. Down the road from me, down the road from me. And that's where it is. He says, do you think I look a little bit like you? Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. You're so much older. I'm only 39. <laughs> but I, no, I thought Hank was great. I thought he was absolutely great. So really, such a thrill. Such a thrill. In fact, what would actually thrill me would be to get everybody in, Cliff and the Shadow, but it, it would make a better, probably, television programme if you got them all in, talking about the early days and what it was like when they went out there and the girls were screaming. As Hank was saying, you know, people were screaming, and then they started screaming for us as well. And that's, uh, that was brilliant. Um, Steve, yesterday I went to use my local cash machine and as I walked up to it, there was a homeless man sitting underneath. When I asked if he could kindly move, he said he'd move if I gave him a tenner. A few choice words were said and I walked away. No point in contacting the police as they wouldn't class my call as an emergency. Yes, I mean, I love the way that people sit by cash point machines. You know, different if it, if it emitted a pound note or a five pound note, but they don't. They do tens, twenties and that's about it, I think. I don't think you get £50 notes, do you? Do in the casinos, I've noticed, all the cash machines in the casino give £50 notes. doesn't quite look as exciting, does it? But, uh, yeah, they always get, got any spare change? No, that's why I'm going to a cash point. They always sit there, look, they've all got plaintive little voices. You've got, you've got some money. For what? Uh, feed the dog. Well, you shouldn't have a dog, should you, in the first place? Where's the RSPCA? Call them out there very quickly. Eleven weeks after Lorraine's death, Jagger and a new girl. She's very, very young. And she's over him a little bit like a rash, but, as I've said before, it's uh, nothing to do with us. And the heady days of acts such as Subo seem a long way off. Jan Moyer, writing in the Mail today, says, Has Britain's Got Talent run out of steam? And the answer is yes. If you've got a dancing granny who's not even on time with the music, and if you've got some other acts... I mean, there used to be good things. I mean, who cares what, you know, Amanda Alicia or David Walliams actually think about anything? The only opinion that matters is Simon Cowell's. And you can see, from the moment he gets an act on stage, he knows who he's going to be recording. And that's what the programme is about. It's about Simon looking for an act that can make money. And with Calabro, I should imagine Christmas album, greatest hits will be all show tunes, and they will, uh, and it'll be big production numbers. I'd love to be in at the recording of these things, because they obviously record differently. In the same way that when they try and sell the programme, it's beautiful production. And I do recognise and do love beautiful production. But when you get sort of, you know, a magician who's on It's OK, and a, and, a, and a ditzy woman who's very irritating, playing a violin, and a very average opera singer, and two little kids singing about bullying, you know, pretending that they're black. It's, uh, it's kind of paling a little bit. But all it is, it's a vehicle for Simon Cowell. I mean, let's face it, where's Pudsey when you need him? Pudsey's the one who can... You know, that's what we're looking for. They're looking... Even though I'm not a big fan of those kind of things. You know, I watched them in a circus. But uh, it's... The programme is running out of steam. Mind you, even... Um, Big Brother's running out of steam. The audience is hemorrhaging. Literally, even as we speak, I mean, I think it lost 800,000. Because people have suddenly realised that it's the same old, same old. It's the same bunch of people who turn up on The Apprentice. And, and one will always be a glamour model. One will always have had a fling with somebody famous. One of, you know, they'll all have done different things. But in fact, really, they've all achieved nothing in their lives. Absolutely nothing at all. Texting drivers are worse than the ones who drink. 
Did you know that? I saw a guy the other day stopped on one of these police camera action programmes and they stopped him. And I'll, I'll tell you the story in a moment because it was actually quite interesting. I love watching people who are losing their temper by the side of the road. I think it's hilarious. So coming up, how much do you think the average person spends on lunch in their lifetime? Just lunch in their lifetime. LBC News time. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company this morning. We're in Turkey, uh, says Adam. We've been listening to you every morning. We did chuckle regarding the... Easy jet plane story. Fortunately, we travelled with Thomas Cook. Definitely not Jeremy Kyle people, as they all had their own teeth. Glad you got the car back. It's only for hours. It's, it's going back in again. It's always entertaining, I always think. I love the sagas containing uh, cars. So anyway, so I'm watching this, this television programme. And uh, it's one of these police camera action kind of things. And what they do is they, uh, they have the, the camera crew in the car. And they, put, and they pull this bloke over. So he's driving along and he's on his phone. He's, on, he's got a cigarette in one hand and his phone in the other. So he's, got, he's smoking and he's on the phone. So, quite rightly, they pull it. The moment he sees the police car and he's the siren, he puts the phone down because he knows it's illegal. So they pull him into the side of the road and there's... I mean, I would do the same. I would have to be the same as this WPC. And she says to him, uh, do you know where I pulled you in? No. And he's, he's Italian, I'm assuming. Something like that. And he says, no, I have to go to... Uh, to the hospital, and she said, well, you were on the telephone, so I'm going to give you, we can deal with this at the roadside, I'm going to give you, I think it was either points or it was a fine, whatever it was, either way, uh, it was going to be something, it was either going to be the fine, and so she has to explain it to him, because if you're giving somebody a ticket, and he can challenge it if he wants, but it would be a little bit silly, seeing as the camera actually caught him on the phone, so he didn't have a leg to stand on, and so he's quite clearly getting very irritated, and of course, the more irritated he becomes the slower she becomes explaining it to him. And so she says to him, right, now I'm going to... And he's saying, but why? Why are you holding me up? Why are you doing this? She said, let me explain again to you very slowly, because you were on your telephone at the wheel of the car. And, as you know, it's illegal, because the moment you saw her, she put the... Why are you picking on me? Why are you... And so this went on. In the end, she said, let me just explain this ticket to you. He then interrupts. She says, listen, shall I start again? And so, of course, this is prolonging him even more. And you can tell he's actually getting quite ratty with this whole thing. This is not having the desired effect. But, of course, I'm thinking it's hilarious because I know what she's doing. She's trying to explain the ticket to him. She's not going to let him walk all over her. There's no way that's going to happen. She's going to stand there until hell freezes over, if necessary, making sure this man knows exactly. So she says, now, listen, if, if I give you this ticket, do you understand? Give me t- Give me ticket. Give me a ticket. And he tries it. She's like, no, come back. Let me explain this to you. I'll start all over again if you're not understanding it. So by this time, he's tra- I'm going to court and all the rest of it. But, of course, he didn't go to court. The end result was he didn't go to court. He actually had to pay his fine because he was caught bang to rights. And that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing at the wheel is people on a handheld phone. T- 46% of people who are stopped on a mobile phone. And I wouldn't mind, but on every single phone, there is a speaker system. You can just have it. Perhaps it's the action of holding it to your ear. I don't know. Perhaps people like that kind of thing. Or you can buy so many hands-free kits where you just clip them into the car. I've got a couple of them. But I've also got a speaker system on the actual phone itself. So why would you ever need to hold it to your ear? 37% of people are texting at the wheel. Now, if you're texting, that means you've taken your hand off the wheel. It's officially um, an actionable offence. 
Because the highway code says you have to have two hands on the wheel at any time. That's what it is. So if you've got one hand off and you're texting, even though you can text by pushing the little microphone and speaking into it and doing a dictation, and then it will, it will just print it up. 27% uh, on a hands-free phone stopped at the wheel. Uh, it means that your reactions are really, really slow. 21% high on cannabis. Surprised me a little bit. I didn't realise. And uh, over-the-drink drive limit, 13%. That's what people get stopped for nowadays. But it's, it's mainly people using their phones at the wheel. You can see them. I have seen people balancing maps on the steering wheel. I have seen people texting. I have seen people shaving. I have seen people putting their makeup on. I've seen... And you, and you sometimes look at me and you think, you can't be serious, can you really? I mean, if ever you're tempted to, to do something like that, for goodness sake, put the phone down on the seat or throw it onto the back seat. And then it'll take the temptation away because it's way too dangerous. Way too dangerous. Um, after 70 years, they found some rather nice posters. And these are from wartime Britain. They give a nostalgic glimpse into everyday life. Propaganda posters, 250 of them, in immaculate condition, found in a chest of drawers by a London man clearing out his garage. They reckon they could fetch £20,000. And the rest, I would think. And they've got all sorts of things. Posters advising what to do if caught in an air raid, urging you to walk to save fuel, and appealing for women to drive ambulances. And they're just, they're immaculate condition and beautiful. And the experts will be out to get these as quick as possible. Robin Lawrence from the auctioneers in Bletchingley said, beside a few fold lines, they're in outstanding condition. It's fitting that these posters have surfaced around the 70th anniversary of the D-Day landings, but it was a complete coincidence. It's a lovely thing to have. I mean, it really is. I mean, for people who love collecting posters, I mean, I collect theatre posters, but uh, even I'm running out of room, I'm afraid. But uh, still doesn't stop me collecting them. Still like to collect things. Here's a picture of Anthea Turner at 54. Uh, she used to be a little bit too coiffured. Now she's gone back to her roots, which is kind of just give up completely. Let's not bother with even making any effort. So she looks a bit like a mop. Uh, she once confessed, in reality, my hair is curly, and in a humid environment, you'd struggle to recognise me. Yes, that is true. Actually, in any environment, you would struggle to recognise Anthea Turner now, because she doesn't appear to be on the television very often. There's a villa firm gone bust, and uh, this is... A lot of people get caught out in Spain. There's all sorts of problems that beset people who go to buy villas abroad. Sometimes these villas have got no planning permission. And a couple of years down the line, somebody comes along and goes, we're bulldozing this. There was a whole estate a short while ago. People had paid deposits. The firm disappeared. And the local town mayor went, these have had no permission at all. It's almost like they, they let it go ahead. And then they, you think somebody would have seen them building them. But anyway, this is the holiday plans of thousands of Britons in limbo after an upmarket villa firm went bust. Customers of Villa Parade which had more than a 1,000 properties across the Med and in America on its books, have been scrambling to get their cash back after it went under last month. They say that the British Association of Travel Agents, ABTA, were warned that the company was struggling but allowed it to continue taking bookings until a few weeks ago. So they run up debts of more than 6.5 million. 3.3 million of that was owed to holidaymakers. Brian uh, McLaughlin, the retired boss of music and film chain HMV, said he paid a £2,500 deposit on a villa in Mallorca that he booked for three weeks. Although he contacted Abtra in April after hearing about the firm's difficulties, he claims he was reassured that Villa Parade was trading normally. But when they stopped answering the telephone and the final time I went to their website, the message said they'd gone into liquidation. He said, so much for Abtra. Yes, because you're supposed to be protected by certain things. The company's uh, liquidator admitted it was a messy state of affairs, but added, in defence of the directors, they've been fully cooperative. 
Yes, it doesn't help all those people who are now left out of pocket. Holidays ruined by a company going on. I never quite understand how companies can go under if they're so successful. If they're so successful and so and so busy and so good, how on earth do they go bust? How on earth does that happen? Why would you ever allow somebody to uh, to let a company go under like that? Is is it a case of companies can be so successful? I suppose it is. Talking of so successful, Vera Lynn is back in the charts. Vera Lynn is back in the charts. Who'd have thought we'd ever been saying that in the year 2014, that Vera Lynn is back in the charts again? So all the papers are sort of just saying how fantastic it is at the age of, at the age of 19. So they've now got a CD to give away, I believe, in the Express. A free Vera Lynn CD, recorded many years ago, I, I hasten to add. Probably come through Paul Savory's company. Uh, and summer is getting warmed up. For those people who worry a little bit about the weather, they've now said that even though heavy showers, light showers and then light cloud for the remainder of the week, generally speaking, we could be in for a little bit of a heat wave over this month. I mean, I'll, I shall believe it when I see it. And frankly, I shall be staying in. I shall be not doing it. However, with the summer nuptials in full swing, because the one thing that you're looking forward to, if you are a bride-to-be, is good weather. Nobody wants a wet wedding. That's not very good at all. And so there's a new book which is out now. This is for all you ladies and gentlemen thinking of getting married. It reveals all you need to know about getting married, from lavish ceremonies to curious superstitions. I mean, if you've got limitless funds, a bit like the, uh, the, the Eccleston girls, then you can have weddings that cost £12 million. It seems a ghastly waste of money, but there you go. When Donald Trump married his third wife, the reception was held at his own club in Palm Beach, Florida. 45 chefs were employed, and as well as preparing the banquets, they produced a Grand Marnier wedding cake weighing £200. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it? A Grand Marnier wedding. It just sounds like it's going to be a fruitcake steeped in Grand Marnier. Uh, the venue was filled with 10,000 flowers. The bride's dress weighed £60 pounds and was decorated with 1,500 rhinestones. The year before, Lakshmi Mittal spent £36 million when daughter Venetia married banker Amit Bhatia. I think that's actually... Um, that's, uh, that's the famous film star's son, isn't it? I think. Anyway, uh, the wine alone was reported to have cost 900000 and the nuptials lasted five days in Paris before moving on to Versailles... The thousand guests were all put up in five-star hotels. Wow, lovely. Yet according to the Guinness World Records, the most extravagant ever was the 1981 wedding of the Dubai ruler Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. To accommodate the 20,000 guests that he had invited, they had a stadium built, leading to an overall cost of £60 million. £60 million for the celebration which lasted seven days. Wow. I mean, that's not bad, is it? And uh, it's got all the superstitions like garter throwing and stuff like that. The book is called Wedding Bells and Chimney Sweeps. Remember, it was, uh, it was lucky to have a chimney sweep at your wedding. Not maybe somebody like, you know, Dick Van Dyke, but sort of a proper chimney sweep. And they turn up outside weddings, and that was considered to be lucky. That's why you gave a horseshoe as well. When brides got married, I mean, now you just throw confetti. But in the early days, you could buy these, they looked like cake stand bits. And it was a horseshoe and all sorts of things, and she was holding that and the bouquet. Of and they were all very elaborate now. I mean, flowers at, at weddings are quite, you can spend a fortune, an absolute fortune. So this, uh, this book is by Bruce Montague. It's published by John Blake. Dear, can't be that John Blake, surely, but I suspect it is. Coming up, London had 16.7 million visitors from overseas in 2013. That's more than ten times that of any other UK city. LBC News Time, it's coming up to quarter to six. Good morning, every 11 minutes to six. Good morning, Joel. I always like it when sort of people send me texts, just doing the prep. 
at the Steve Allen Show. And Philip reckons, show them the reward on your app and the cashier will deduct automatically from your account. Oh, right. I've got quite a number of free drinks on. I just don't know how to take them off. I've, I mean, I, I might have to show them the app and sort of go, I don't know how I get these things. Because before it was so much easier at Starbucks when they sent you a card with free drink on it. Then you just handed the card in. Now they're doing it on the phone. I'm completely befuddled. I can spend ages worrying about this. Um, the forensic team uh, in the hunt for Madeleine McCann, missing since th- 2007, have now switched to a water plant. I think they're on the last day. I think this is the last day that they've been allowed to... Although, as far as I'm concerned, I don't see how they can actually stop them. Look, how can you say you've only got a certain amount of time? They're obviously going to to look as far as they can. They're going to start scouring the area on Wednesday. This is the uh, the scrubland around a water treatment plant where a prime suspect worked. And again, they're no nearer. These cameras, the the X-ray machines, obviously haven't found anything under the ground because otherwise they would find something. But so far, they've got nothing there. But uh, this is a, a man uh, who apparently is a drug addict. He was working at the plant in Lagos, four miles from the Ocean Club apartment where Madeline was staying with her parents. Analysis of mobile phone data showed this man was near the apartment on the night she disappeared. He had served a jail term for burglary, died in a tractor accident in 2009. His widow insisted he had nothing to do with Madeline's disappearance. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, it's ridiculous to start chasing somebody from the other side, isn't it? I mean, he's dead, for goodness sake. So specialist work teams are now moving in and they've crisscrossed the area with sniffer dogs. They've conducted fingertip searches. They've used ground-penetrating radar and so far, nothing. Nothing. It's like, you know, is this going to be another wild goose chase? Is this going to be yet more agony for Madeleine McCann's parents? I think that they will work through till Friday and I think they will then return back to the United Kingdom, which means that they won't have actually got anywhere at all. It's difficult. Portuguese sources have revealed the men, including three burglars, all with drug convictions, are likely to be questioned in the very near future. Kate and Jerry McCann have said they are, uh, I think the word is, encouraged by the progress of the police, but still nothing, and still doesn't give them closure, still doesn't give them, you know, what they want. Either tell us she's alive somewhere, or, as I've put forward the theory over the last few weeks, the police must be working on the assumption that she's not alive anymore, and that's why they're obviously looking for something. What else would they be looking for? Unless they're looking for clothing. But then if you'd buried some clothing seven years ago, would that still be under the ground? I don't know. I really don't know. Well, what they need to find... You know, God, God help us all. They need to find a body or something that can that can lead them to the right direction and hopefully lead to a, a prosecution of somebody who for seven years has known what they did and what they technically got away with. Uh, Stop the farce of benefits that fund gambling is a letter that appears from a man in Conway. And this was the story of jobless Andrew Boyce. Andrew Boyce, who's on benefits after he did his back in some years ago, and quite clearly has no intention of ever working ever again. And he spent £250 of his benefits buying 50 £5 spot-the-ball tickets while at a shopping centre. Nice to have that much cash on you, isn't it, really? I always think, especially if you are on benefits. Mr Boyce blames a bad back for his inability to work and said he used unemployment and sickness benefit to buy the tickets. He's obviously, says John, writing in from Conway... Um, he's obviously receiving too much in benefits if he can afford to gamble 250 quid on tickets. But secondly, and on the plus side, with all the exercise he's going to get out of climbing in and out of his new Porsche, let's hope his bad back will soon be healed and he won't need to be off sick. He will be able to return to employment after his 12-year break 
relieving the taxpayer of his benefits bill. I mean, you look at him, you know that he hasn't done a day's work ever, I shouldn't imagine. But 12 years. But it would be a win-win, wouldn't it? Or failing that, as I said, sell the Porsche and uh, take him off benefits immediately. In fact, he should be off benefits now. He's got a £56,000 car and 10000 in cash. Take the benefits away. Take them away. You know, I'm sick to death of reading about these, these people in the paper. I mean, I don't care what he spends his benefit money on. I mean, I'm really not that bothered. But now he's won that money, and let's get him off benefits. So much easier. So much easier. He doesn't need to, to hang around anymore. And then he can, he can take away the, uh, the shame of being on benefits. That would make a lot more sense, doesn't it? Uh, Christians, says Anne Widdicombe, find life in modern Britain very difficult. How on earth does she know? Christians find life in modern Britain very difficult. Uh, she blames quite militant secularism and equality legislation for people feeling they couldn't express their faith. Really? Since when? Since when? She said Christians were suppressing the expressions of conscience, whereas in the past people were unafraid to wear their views, be they communist or fascist. She converted from Anglicanism to Roman Catholicism in 1993, and she says Christians have now quite a lot of problems. Whether it is, you can't display even very discreet... Oh, she's going back to that Nadia Awida thing from years and years ago. You do sometimes wonder, actually, which world Anne Whittacombe is in. Is she in, in, in sort of inhabiting Widdy world? Which sounds to be only one up from, uh, from Weebles, I'm afraid. And I think people do. You know, she said, you know, she's talked about people and atheism and everything. I always think, you know, why do you worry about yourself before you worry about other people? Nobody, as far as I know, is always being, is being picked on. But she says here, you know, in, at one time you could proclaim yourself as a communist, you could still stand for Parliament as a communist, and you could sell the Morning Star on street corners. We've always respected the right of people to do their own views. And, and I do feel nowadays, as a combination of political correctness and equality law and all the rest of it, we've started suppressing the expression of conscience. I don't know. Do you think that's... I mean, admittedly, not, not many people are going to church now because people obviously aren't getting out of the church what they would have done many, many years ago. But it was many, many years ago. And so lots of churches are, are being converted into flats. They don't necessarily pull them down, but they do turn them into flats. I did look at one a short while ago. I, I quite like the idea of actually living in a church, you know, nearer my God to thee, etc., etc. Uh, look out, Judy, there's another strong woman in the Murray camp, and she's his coach. Yes, after all the rumours that Andy Murray's mother, Judy, was going to go into Big Brother, I'm delighted to say that, uh, that she didn't. Unless they're going to put her in a little bit later. Uh, whilst the male counterparts can often be found getting themselves into scrapes and scuffles outside, little girls are apparently at risk of becoming ill later in life because they're treated like princesses at home. How many times have you passed a car where it goes, princess on board? And you look in the car as you go past thinking, I wonder who it could be, Diana? Fergie. No, it turns out to be some little squirt wearing a, a little tiara with a, with a wand and a little pretty Diamante dress. Helen Fraser, chief executive of the Girls' Day School Trust, has warned that girls are less active than boys by the age of eight, and only 12% of 14-year-old girls are as physically active as they should be. So they just play princesses at home. I mean, there's a limit, isn't there, I suppose? I thought you could only be a princess if you were up to about five years old. Any older than that, I mean, you're way too old, I'm afraid. But unfortunately, she then says that, you know, girls could be storing up future health problems like type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, because they're failing to get into the habit of being regularly active as children. In other words, they are, they are the computer age. They sit in their bedrooms. They don't have any friends. They're, their only friends are on the computer. They chat to people on the computer. Their whole life revolves around Facebook or any of the social networking sites, and they become insular. 
and they don't talk to people, and then parents go, do you know, we had no idea they weren't doing very well at school. We had no idea that they were being bullied. They don't, they don't tell people that because kids don't talk to anybody, do they? They absolutely don't talk because they haven't got anything in common with their parents. They don't like to say anything, really. So, in other words, if, if, if a child is being bullied at school, you'll never hear about it. it the, the parents were always the last ones to know. Friends. Friends have actually told me that, you know, the bullying is a huge problem nowadays. Uh, Ralph says, I've flagged down drivers several times who I've seen using handheld mobile phones as they drive, only on suburban roads where they're not doing much more than 20 miles an hour, of course, or they wouldn't see me, or it would cause an accident by my, my distracting, waving them over to the curb. Lord. Most respond, however, I let them know they're liable to be caught next time by someone who can really cause them some inconvenience. You're not impersonating a police officer, are you? Sounds a bit dangerous. He says, uh, if there's any backtalk, I point out I've seen their number plate. Um, and then how far would they like me to take the matter? Are you pretending to be a policeman? Are you pulling people over or you are a policeman? He says, they all take the point with varying degrees of grace, but no worse than under, under the breath mutterings. I like it when the, when the police pull people over and they go, uh, have you had a drink? And they go, um, yeah, about an hour ago. And how much did you have to drink? Um, beer? And you look, you look at me and think, you know that you're bluffing this. You know that you're bluffing it. Not very well. And then they go, well, I, I require you to take a breath test. You can see them going, right. And they go, OK, blow into this. Now, when you, when you do a breath test, you have to literally take a big, deep breath and then you keep blowing because they want the air from your stomach, which is going to affect them. So it's no good just going, they're not interested in that. I've seen a couple of, there was the Australian woman we featured on the, on the programme last week and she just went, and they went, no, no, it's not good enough. They said, come on, try again. So three times, eventually, she suddenly realised that this was a bit serious and she wasn't going to get away with it at all. And so they actually sort of get gone blown. Stop. You're supposed to read about 32 and you're reading 60-something. Uh, 60-something. So in the end, unfortunately, uh, she, uh, she got arrested and taken to the... It was only then that she realised she'd done something absolutely terribly wrong. And so the poor woman was in a terrible state. But she had been driving with drink. But now we know that not only with people with drink in their bloodstream, but people on their mobile phones are the ones who cause the most accidents. That's, it's, it's not the case of you on the road being the worry. It's a case of everybody else. And these are the people you have to look out for. Plenty more to come on your early Monday morning breakfast programme from LBC with Steve Allen. We'll go back over the papers uh, to mark 100 days. We'll go to the Scottish Independence Referendum, including the first all-women Scottish Government Cabinet meeting. Duke of Cambridge teams up with Beckham today to officially launch the Prince's new conservation charity, United for Wildlife. The NHS could save £10 a year by getting more women to have smear tests. Tory voting middle-aged professional men are most likely to face road rage. Holly Willoughby's made over a million quid last year. And surprisingly, 51% of customers don't trust their energy supplier. Oh, and the laziest profession, florists. Can't believe it, can you? It's LBC, I'm Steve Allen. It's next. Morning, everybody. Oh, so the Duke of Cambridge has teamed up with David Beckham. God, so bored with David Beckham. This is to launch another charity called United for Wildlife. In between that and the football and his underpant modelling and all the rest of it, is there any room for David Beckham to actually see the family? Holly Willoughby's company made over a million quid last year. 
51% of you don't trust your energy supplier. And the laziest profession is a florist, as apparently they get less exercise than anybody else. I suppose you have a bit of a waste to stick a plant in here and then go there and then tie that there. And that's uh, all right. I'm going to stick that flower there and there's a bunch of roses. Yeah, you're right. Could be a florist, couldn't it? Florists everywhere going, are you serious? We're exhausted. Very tiring. Lydia Dim, uh, returning to the Anyways Essex, because life is very cold on the outside where nobody was really bothering with her at all. And uh, then they all dined out in Marbella. You've never seen such a badly dressed lot of people in your entire life. I mean, really, some of these outfits that they're wearing are so ghastly and so appalling. They obviously think they all look good, but they look dreadful. They were all there. There was Chloe, Chloe somebody, Chloe Sims, looking... Really ancient, I'm afraid. It's not. Really, it's so nice that she can spend so much time with her daughter. Not. And uh, then they've got somebody called Danielle Armstrong. No idea who she is. And then they've got the oldest person, who is Jessica Wright. And, uh, and they're all over in Marbella, because you know they're filming over there, but then they had the problem with EasyJet, because they were all overweight. That's just Gemma Collins and Arge. Uh, the rest of them just took loads and loads of luggage. But it's, it's such a pitifully painful programme now to watch. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning as Ofsted report to the government on the alleged Islamist plot to take over schools in Birmingham. He'll be asking how serious the problem really is. Plus the Chief Secretary of the Treasury, Danny Alexander, talks to Nick ahead of the Deputy Prime Minister's speech, which will kickstart the Lib Dem campaign for next year's general election. And Nick will be finding out why metal spikes are being used to deter rough sleeping. Looking at the papers today, Guter Harry, Director of Communications at News UK, former Communications Director for Boris Johnson, will be wandering through the papers today. There's a new wristband which has been uh, developed by Barclays to allow users to purchase a coffee or a train ticket with a swish of the arm. like the sound of this. So what it is, it's a, it's a band loaded with money from your bank account, and then you can spend it on purchases of a single transaction up to 20 quid. The banking industry really want people to stop using cash because it's too expensive to handle. So you can, you can wear this 24 hours a day, uh, and you swipe the band over a terminal at a shop or pay point on the bus or station platforms to make a purchase. It's a bit like having... An Oyster card, only you can buy other things with it. Because you can't, as far as I know, buy a cup of coffee with an Oyster card. And so what they really want, they expect it uh, to become virtual wallets to allow people to negotiate their day without the need for money or cards. Could you actually get through your day without money or cards? I don't think so. I really don't think so. And then they say they can replace conventional plastic cards by allowing people to make purchases more quickly than normal because users do not need to use a four-digit PIN. I like the idea. They had been trialled before, and you can buy entry. They actually tried it at London Pride and the Summertime Music Festival, and they said it, it worked quite well there. I don't know. I mean, is that a good idea? Wristband that's got money. So now we'll have people ripping your wristband off. Unless, of course, you can actually manage to uh, stop some... I mean, I, I don't know, actually, whether or not that would be of, of use to anybody in this day and age. Probably yes. Probably yes, I would think. For certain people who aren't, who aren't very good with these kind of things and they don't like taking money out or wallets, because it always worries me when you see a lot of elderly people taking their, their wallets out. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Oh, I've lost my, um, I've lost my, um, my text messages. 
They, they will reappear back in a moment. I don't, they just disappeared. One minute they were on there, the next minute they, uh, they disappeared. Uh, Tara Palmer Tompkinson says she's become a recluse. Oh, if only we could be that lucky. If only. She's making a, a revelation this week because she just can't shut up about her boring life. What she does, I have no idea. If anybody can enlighten me on what Tara Palmer Tompkinson does for a living, I've got no idea. And um, she's doing this TV talk show with Jeremy Kyle. And she's uh, 42. She's breaking down, so she's a bit of an emotional wreck, I'm afraid. And it's part of a week of celebrity specials. She discloses she went into rehab two years ago. Why do these people want to drone on about their boring lives? As if anybody's remotely interested. I think also, you see here, the cocaine habit's gone up to £400 a day. £400 a day. It was only 250 in one of the other papers. Now we've magically whacked the money up. I think Michael Barrymore's going to be doing one as well. And so people who've, who've had disasters... I mean, she's, uh, she's had a string of failed relationships. They say here she's been linked to James Blunt and Robbie Williams. She'll also claim she doesn't want a boyfriend because she can't bear the way men eat. See, I told you, she's not all there in the upstairs department at all. And um, she's previously spoken about her desire to live a quieter life. I've never actually understood... They used to call her an it girl, you know, a party girl and things like that. I just thought she was a bit of a waste of space. I don't think she's ever had a job as such. I, don't, I can't remember her ever having anything where they went, oh, she, she does this, she works in a shop or something. I don't really know. I don't know. Do you know that half of today's 20-year-olds have said they're never, ever going to get married? There were other people who were saying, oh, you know, people have got to get married otherwise. Was it the Pope who says you're going to be lonely later in life? Well, he's not married. Why would... I'd get, get a pet. Oh, right, unless you have a pet. Dear. Oh, right, so people who had pets will be lonely. Really? Oh. Well, is that any sort of pet? Oh, crikey. So if you have a pet later in life, you're going to be lonely. So in other words, don't get a pet. Oh, right. Have kids. Oh, that's great. That's OK. Yeah, I don't, I've never fancied a pet. Well, I mean, you know, when you're young, you do have... And most people have a dog or a cat, don't they? And a friend of mine, she's, she's obsessed with her cats. But then cat people tend to be more obsessed with their cats than they do with dogs. So she's completely obsessed. But cats do what they want to do. They rule the roost. I like the idea, though, of, of having one... And it means you're going to be lonely later in life. Because you then come to rely... I suppose you then come to rely on the animal, don't you? You then go, I can't go away. Who's going to look after the dog? First thing people think about, what's going to happen? How are we going to look after the dog? Uh, Dawn. Dawn French is uh, taking her first one-woman show around. It's a brave new Dawn because she's talking about struggles with IVF, that secret cancer scare, her father's suicide... And it's painfully personal. It can be. Doing a one-person show, as I've discovered, can mean that you do end up, you know, bearing your soul about things and telling people about your life. And for her, it's, uh, it really is bearing her soul because there's a lot that's, uh, that's come in. Uh, Eleven weeks after Loren Scott's tragic suicide, Mick Jagger and his new girlfriend, but strangely, Sarah Vine, the only reason I mention it is because Sarah Vine says there comes a point in a man's life when, no matter how much money he has or how realistic his hair or wig looks, being seen with a much younger woman does more harm than good to his reputation. For Mick Jagger, the legendary Lothario, that moment has come. Pictured on the balcony of a hotel in Zurich with a nubile brunette draped around his neck, the 70-year-old resembled less a rock-and-roll legend sharing a post-coital cup of tea with a hot babe and more an elderly care-home resident getting a sympathetic hug from a nurse. He also looks like a prat, she says. You see, I don't know why she's worried about it. You know, admittedly, 
You know, there is an age difference, but it's his life. He can go, He's 70 years old. He doesn't have to ask his mummy and daddy who he can go out with, whether or not somebody just committed suicide, who he wasn't married to, or whether or not, you know, they were together for 11 years. We don't know what their relationship was. We have no idea if he chooses to, to go off. The sister, as you know, because I've told you already this morning, has said, now you know why she was depressed, almost inferring that he can't keep his eyes off the ladies. And why not? Why not? Seems to suit him. Surely people who go into relationship now with their eyes open know exactly what has what has gone on in somebody. If you're going to go out with Mick Jagger, you're going to know he comes with history. You're going to know that there's been a fair number of young ladies long before you came on the scene. And he obviously likes a pretty person. If you can find somebody who wants to hang around with a very old geriatric man who prances around on stage like a 40-year-old, well, then fine. But it's his business. It doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter what he gets up to. If that's his way of dealing with things or if that's what he wants to do, he can do it. He's not married. He's not beholden to anybody. So I love it when they, call it, they sit there being... You know, and you can imagine that on Loose Women today, the, the gaggle of Gorgons will be sitting there like the hubble-bubble toil-and-trouble witches. And they'll be going, oh, I don't know whether it's a right idea for him to take a younger girlfriend. And you look at this gaggle of old bags sitting on the television, pontificating about life, and you think to yourself, I think maybe they've got it wrong some of the time. Most of them with failed marriages under their belt, it has to be said. But they wouldn't like it if people were discussing them. So let's leave him alone. He's 70. Let him enjoy his twilight years whichever way he wants to. Coming up, two weeks to go till Wimbledon, beginning. Strawberry growers forecasting a 10% boost in this year's crop. LBC's quarter past six. Morning. 6.20 is the time. Oh, I think I know which one it is now. Sorry, we're just filling in. Just filling in on things. So, um... These spikes. Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about these spikes. It's interesting because Christo was talking about this over the weekend, and Christo agreed with with me, or I agreed with Christo when we were saying these spikes are here. Um, they're just they're arranged in the pavement. It's like to deter cyclists from cycling on the pavement, although that's a huge problem. And in fact, there is. Um, I believe Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about this again this morning, which I'm quite keen on. And it's uh, a cab driver. Uh, because people are losing their temper with cyclists more and more because they don't stop at red lights. They ride all over the pavement. You can get yourself knocked down by a cyclist as much as you can by a car and a lorry today in London and probably where you are as well. And so they're going to be looking at that. But these spikes, I mean, on, on some pavements, they've got uh, ridges to stop cyclists going over there, like stopping people taking trolleys out of supermarket car parks. And so they put in what looks like a cattle grid. So purely they put these spikes in and they're quite tastefully done. And they're not, sort of, you know, they're not going to kill them if they fall on them, put it that way. And it's, it's there to stop homeless people sleeping in their doorway of their £800,000 flats in this block. And people urinating in the door. They don't want that. And you wouldn't want it either. So it's lovely to have all these do-gooders saying, oh, yes, you know, we must sort out the homeless problem. As you've heard this morning from various people who've worked from homeless charities, they're never going to sort out this problem. They're never, ever in a million years. If, you know, if we came back here in 100 years' time, there would be people sleeping rough in doorways. So, you know, you just have to make sure that they're not sleeping in your doorway. But, you know, it's, they're, they're charities. They just keep going. They, they survive on handouts. They, uh, they sort of give people food. It doesn't keep them off the streets, though. They, these are people who want to be on the streets. Uh, I don't know why they have guests on Loose Women, says Bernadette. All they have is a competition to see who can talk the most and the loudest. Uh, yes, it, it tends to be Janet Street Porter. Well, Michael. 
Poor old Janet Street Porter. She's she's so steeped in the past, isn't she? So far back. Songs from the trenches and all that kind of thing. Uh, Philip says, this wristband to pay bills. If you're wearing one, be careful. If somebody wants to shake your hand, it may cost you dearly. Yes, it's only, but it's only going to do 20 quid, I think. So it's enough for uh, a travel ticket. It's enough for a cup of coffee. That's, that, that's what it's for. So it isn't sort of direct access to your your bank account. Otherwise, that would be a, a total disaster. Uh, Steve, to a dog, you're its master. To a cat, you're its servant. Yes, I, I do like that, actually. <laughs> I think you're so right. You're so right. Pe- people have said before that uh, you think you own a cat. No, 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 no. The cat decides if it wants to be with you. And that's why cats will go anywhere. If somebody's feeding them, the cat will wander off next door. Uh, the debit band, where you wave your arm about to buy things, is going to be hell on Italian's bank account, says Patricia. Yes, there's a lot of... Uh, lot of sort of hand movements. And uh, Jonathan says what Anne Whittaker means is they can discriminate or slag off gay men. Yes, she doesn't. And yet, strangely enough, she has lots of gay friends. I'm not sure whether or not she's aware they're gay. Or whether or not she's just... Uh, she's, she harbours some strange views, does Anne Whittaker. But there again, quite a number of people uh, harbour strange views. My boss, Millborough Chimney Sweep, still attends weddings with a cat on his shoulder. Good Lord. And Zach says, now that Mick Jagger has become the Harold Steptoe of rock, isn't it about time the strolling bones cashed in their chips? Ooh. Uh, Highway Co., two hands on the wheel at all times. How do people who don't drive lazy cars change gear? Uh, well, I'm, well I'm, you don't have to be stupid, Lorna. It's not your fault, I realise. But, uh, but that's it. That's, um, that's how it works. You're supposed to have two hands on the wheel. I mean, it's, it's a bit, bit dull that you don't know this kind of thing. Perhaps you need educated. Perhaps you should go back to school. And then you can... Uh, you probably don't drive, actually, I don't think. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, I got so bored watching Cowell's Britain's Got Talent, I turned over to watch Dale Winton's lottery programme. And apparently Janet's report is a regular visit to Margate. Yes, I should imagine she... Well, she's at that age now. She likes that, uh, that kind of thing. Um, another one here. Uh, this is uh, from... It says, uh, just up my street this morning... Uh, loads of people who sleep in doorways, uh, suffering from... A lot of them have mental health problems. Yes, some people do like sleeping on the streets. They don't want to go to uh, any of these places where they look after the homeless people for the night. Because they, they, they check in for the night and then they check out the next morning, don't they? And that's it. 84850, uk. And uh, Lynn says, you read out my text on Friday about my father-in-law and his childhood friend on D-Day. Rather poignantly on Saturday, we received on behalf of my late father-in-law his Arctic Star Medal. Very special. Yes, I, know, I always feel sorry for people who go and sell these, these weddings. Uh, sell these, sell these, uh, these medals. They, they just go out there and they, they go that they're obviously worth, worth money now. And so what they do is, uh, is sort of just cash them in. It's a shame, really, isn't it? But I suppose better than that than have them sitting in a... In a drawer. Uh, we live how LBC are talking about the need for an Oyster card for buying a coffee. Right here, guys and gals. No, 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 it's not the... I wish it was. I wish you could buy a cup of coffee with an Oyster card. I think that'd be a brilliant idea, because I'm always the one who actually, uh, who actually has the most, the most money on his Oyster card at any one time. So I'm always frightened I'm going to get on the bus and it's gonna, you'd have to get off again, because they're not going to let you on the bus, are they? They're going to make sure that you get off the blooming thing. Uh, quickly, front pages of the papers for... This morning, the Daily Mail, uh, the proof you can be fat, but fit. 
the extremist schools to face snap inspections. Uh, Nick will talk about that later on this morning. Sick patients finding it harder to see a doctor as many GPs close their doors during the afternoon. The smile that says Mick's bouncing back after Loren. He's still 70. He's still 70. Uh, the front of the uh, Express today, only one in 70 migrants suspected of being in the country illegally is arrested. Uh, the Daily Star, Rue Lover, Big Brother Fix Storm. This is uh, Wayne Rooney's former lover, Helen Wood. An embarrassment for everybody. The Sun this morning, more on Ofsted. And the Amazon Mied, the Lost Lions tribe, backing the three lions. Mirror for today... Uh, Rachel Riley, my twisted stalker horror, and the more search for the bodies of four children, the experts bid to try again and find the bodies of uh, maybe where Keith Bennett is buried. Remember his mother had a campaign throughout her life to try and find out where Ian Brady, but he hasn't got the faintest idea. They took him out to the moors, he just goes out there now. It's just a, it's just a, a day out for him. He's not remotely interested. Britain shamed over the supermarket waste, the amount of the amount of food that is thrown away. 118,000 tonnes of food was uh, was thrown away last year. That was in Spain. Over here, 5,900 tonnes. France, 100,000 tonnes. And Poland, 64,000 tonnes. And all we gave is 5,900. Where does it go? We just throw it out, I'm afraid. We just throw it out. And on the front of the Metro this morning, their main headline is Sponsors Warn FIFA, Time to Come Clean. People want answers. Uh, I'm back tomorrow morning from four. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen again whenever and wherever you like through our podcast service. Download the app now. It's on lbc.co.uk. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time. Uh, have yourself a nice day. I shall let you know how it all goes tomorrow. Later on LBC at 7, Nick Ferrari is here with breakfast. Next, though, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.